Hello and welcome to Heads or Tales. I am your host, Indiana. And I am your other host, Jasper Jett. And we're two very good friends who like to uh, talk about biology. The basic format for how this show goes is that we'll pick topics for each other to research and then we interview each other about the topics. Uh, every other episode, we flip coins, decide who will be going first, and our next series of episodes. We flipped last episode, so this episode we don't have a coin flip. Quick top of the episode disclaimer that we do every time. We're not experts. Our research is always super light. We may get some stuff wrong. These are primers, if anything. Um, I also branch a little bit out of biology and into physics in this episode, which is super not my very strong area of interest. <laughs> so I, I do apologize to anybody who knows physics about that. Um, and a uh, quick thing before we get started, uh, part of our format now is that we record in bulk. So if something happens in between recording sessions, we can't really bring it up in the episode because we already recorded. Uh, but a thing that happened was that we got music composed for us all by the lovely Milo. Thanks a bunch, Milo. It slaps. It does. And I'm, I've, I'm so sad now because I forgot to mention uh, before we started recording that I wanted to shout out my father. Because I'm tired. I, because it's <laughs> oh. it's seven p.m. and I was up. I woke up at two a.m. Oh, I'm sorry. I just I put it in the script just because I'm like I want to make sure we have this in here. But I I would I would let you do it if, if you had said anything. No, you're good. It's in my script too, but it's in like after the music plays because I was gonna be like, wasn't that dope? Ah, <laughs> uh. <laughs> isn't this about to be dope? Thanks, Milo. <laughs> Milo, yes. Milo doesn't have anything for me to shout out other than that he has music that I think was recorded before I was born on Spotify. If you want to look up Milo Cuesta, <laughs> M-I-L-O-C-U-E-S-T-A, you're welcome. <laughs> and now that we have totally managed to derail ourselves, let's get into some basic information after our dope-ass intro. <laughs> So this episode, we are talking about the peacock mantis shrimp. We're going to learn about all of those shrimp colors. It's so much cooler than that. <laughs> its uh, scientific name is Odontodactylus scalaris. Genus name did not give me results beyond genus of shrimp. We need a Latin slash Greek consultant. We, <laughs> uh, we just, we need one. <laughs> so I think the species name comes from uh the greek monster cilia scilia again not my native language not even a language i have begun to think about learning <laughs> <laughs> which makes a lot of sense because they live in rocks and they burrow into rocks and they're very dangerous predators but we think basically it means shrimp and then rock monster uh sea rock monster specifically dope they're pretty big for shrimp but still fairly small, 3 to 18 centimeters, or about 1 to 7 inches, which is, you know, it's a, it's a decently sized, it's a decently sized sea creature. 
they're fairly colorful, uh, green legs with uh, some... No, they are not green. They do not have green legs. They're fairly <laughs> colorful, green with orange legs and some spots. Um, you can find a lot of uh, under... You can find a lot of photography of them because underwater photographers really like them. They're very, very pretty. And now we have some questions for me about these little fellas. <laughs> these are so cool. I was so excited to do this because I know they've got a bunch of weird, interesting stuff going on. But instead of getting into that, let's go with a very basic question. Tell me, what does it eat? So they eat snails, crabs, and clams. Basically, there's like more stuff in there, but that's like, if you think of those things, that's what you're thinking about. Um, these ones in particular that we're talking about, because there are a couple other kinds of mantis shrimps, but these mantis shrimps are smashers. And so they have really big punching claws to break into the shells and get to the, um, the food on the inside. They're very, very good at it, too. <laughs> We bring that up a little bit later in my fun facts section. Ooh. Next up, we're getting into cooler territory. Tell me about them funky eyes they got. Okay, so their color vision actually kind of sucks. Oh? What I mean by that is they can't actually differentiate between individual colors in the visible spectrum of light. Um, so they do have 16 different color receptors that you've heard, but that's not different kinds of color. What they see is different kinds of light so i'm gonna do some really light light science real quick and again this is where i apologize to the physicists <laughs> okay so for a general refresher on how light works uh in case you haven't run into it or haven't run into it in years uh it's broken up into different kinds of wavelengths y you get a lot of things in there that's like x-rays are a kind of light and then you have ultraviolet which is where you get like uv radiation is a kind of light um and they're all different wavelengths and so each color of light in the visible spectrum is a different wavelength. And this is how we see it and how most animals can see things as far as light goes. And that's how they differentiate between the colors, between the different wavelengths of light. But as mentioned, shrimp can't differentiate between the color really well. What they see instead is polarization. There's a little bit more physics here, <laughs> but just a little bit for this section. So polarization in regards to light is which way is the wavelength is bouncing. So a wavelength is kind of a thing that goes up and down and up and down and up and down, right? So if you're walking in a zigzag, you're moving forward, but you're also moving side to side. And the side to side movement is your wavelength. Now, if you're a beam of light, you have extra dimensions to move side to side while you're still moving, quote unquote, forward. And so normal light is a bunch of different photons moving in every different side-to-side -side way while all moving forward the same direction. If that makes sense. Yes, wow. You following? Yeah. That's <laughs> a lot more science than I thought was coming with this question, but I like it. <laughs> okay, yeah, so polarized light is light where it's gone through a filter to make it move all side-to-side -side one way, like all up and down or all left and right. And there are more complicated ways the light can move, like you can polarize it to move in circles. But this is the limit of my physics knowledge <laughs> and my ability to explain physics. Now, mantis shrimp and some other kinds of marine uh, animals like squids and octopi. Side note, just a little language side note because I got to get into my comfort zone real fast. Octopi, octopuses, and octopodes are all the correct way to pluralize octopus because... That's how common use works. We, we just yes. we use them all so much, they're all correct. That's important <laughs> because we have an octopus episode coming up. <laughs> <laughs> so 
So all of these different animals, or, yeah, they're animals, the, the different aquatic life, can see the way that the light has been polarized. Shrimp, specifically these shrimp, can see uh, up to six different kinds of polarization, which is horizontal, vertical, a couple of diagonals, um, and uh, two circular kinds of polarization. So what that means is that each individual mantis shrimp eye can see in 3D. Oh. And they actually use mantis shrimp eye to make 3D movies and to make 3D technology better. That is just straight into physics and engineering, though, and this is a biology podcast, and I don't want to stretch either my ability to explain things anymore or other people's, like, that. that's enough physics for right now. Oh my god. I think. I, I talk about light a little bit more in the fun facts section because I love light, <laughs> but we're gonna, we're gonna, we're gonna pause on physics for right now. Oh my god, I didn't realize that was gonna be a physics question. <laughs> I didn't either when I looked it up. I thought I was just going to get something about color, like um, cones or whatever. And, and then it's like, no, actually, they, they, they do it in a very, really cool, cool and different way. It's it's very neato. I love it. Oh, that's great. Uh, <laughs> physics just goes right through my brain. Here's a, a fun fact is I had the same like physical science teacher as I did biology teacher. And I hated his class for physics and I loved it for biology. And so it turns out I just hate physical science. That's fair. <laughs> All right. How hard can this thing punch? Uh, so really, really hard. It can punch up to 50 miles an hour or 80 kilometers an hour, which is the fastest recorded punch for an animal. It hits with a force of uh, 340 foot pounds or 1500 newtons uh, for people who don't know how foot pounds work or who just don't know what force is. It's basically you were putting a 340 pounds of something onto one foot of space. Ooh. That much force. That's how that works. They can actually break glass, which will be relevant in a little bit. <laughs> they also punch uh, hard and fast enough to cause a shockwave underwater. So anything they hit gets hit twice. Once by the shrimp and then again by the shockwave. <laughs> I, I love that. I just love like a little <laughs> shrimp going around and just having like the most insane punch that you can imagine. Yeah, no, they, they make um, little compressed air pops up you... when, when they punch. It's very cool. If you can find a video of it, it's very cool to watch. Yes, I was about to say, you can actually, like, see it in a video. <laughs> the little, like, wave it makes. <laughs> okay, awesome. Next question. Where is this species found? So you find it most often um, on the seabed close to like the surface of the water, that kind of area. There's a scientific name for it. I don't remember what it is, but you can find it in the uh, Indo-Pacific Ocean from like East Africa to Guam, just all kind of in there. Actually, I had to amend my little light rant, but I wrote it all up. So it's in the fun facts section. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <sighs> you gave me lots of cool things to talk about. So I have a very long, very long tangent section. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> My final question for this, uh, why are they sometimes considered a pest? So, as far as I can tell, this is an in-captivity thing. Uh, so some people will keep them as pets because they're, well, not necessarily pets. They'll keep them in aquariums because they're very, very pretty. And other people just think they're obnoxious and annoying and they hate them. So they're really, really fierce predators. So if you have them, they'll probably eat most of the other things you keep in the tank. 
Additionally, there is the aforementioned they can break glass uh, <laughs> aspect. If you have quarter-inch aquarium tank glass, they'll break that easily. Um, so they'll just destroy your aquarium, and they have been recorded as doing it. <laughs> There's also a thing for uh, saltwater aquariums called uh, live rock, which is you get a piece of ocean rock that has all sorts of like bacteria and shrimp and microplankton and all those other good ocean life things to make the salt water in your saltwater fish tank more like an ocean and uh, better to be habitable for things. And because you're getting it out of the ocean, you can sometimes get a peacock mantis shrimp in there. Oh, no. And if they get established in your aquarium, it's really hard to get them out. And oh, if you no. have any cor coral in there, they can burrow into it and it can be their home. And so basically you can just, you can get them when you don't want them and they'll screw everything up. Oh my god. <laughs> oh that it's so funny to me you know it's it's just they, they, they're a pest because sometimes they're a pest <laughs> i have sort of like an unrelated bonus question so you probably mm -hmm. don't know the answer off the top of your head but it's more of just a like do you think is that punch like hard enough to like break a bone could this like assault a person oh yeah most definitely oh that's awesome <laughs> i mean the thing about the thing about bones is like you can say break a bone but there are lots of different like a finger bone most definitely your femur maybe not i don't know how much force it takes to break a femur and then it also applies to like how you apply the force mm -hmm. and what kind of force it is so there's a lot of stuff that goes into the seemingly innocuous question can it break a bone so the answer is yes and it would definitely hurt but it like it comes out like uh, the the punch comes out like I think I read that it was like the speed of like a twenty two caliber bullet. Oh God! <laughs> leaving the chamber, it was the same acceleration as a twenty two caliber bullet leaving the chamber. So it's very very fast. Cool. I just <laughs> I just wanted to imagine like some poor diver coming across it and being like pretty and just getting like just beat. Yeah, it hurt. I don't know if it's strong enough to break like big bones, but it'll definitely break like a finger bone. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Then that's it for all my questions. All right. So I have some fun facts. So my first fun fact is that the hypothesis is that the um, for the reason that their eyes can see polarized light so well is that it's really good for um, uh, communication and uh, for mating. Um, there's also some like properties of water and the way light interacts with it that makes it really interact with polarization really weird. Again, physics is not my strong suit. Um, <laughs> but very cool thing. So there was a team at the University of Illinois Urbana campaign led by a guy named Viktor Gurev, who developed a camera lens that can mimic their eyes based on our current understanding of it. You can see the footage. It's super cool. You Ooh. can look it up in the description of the video. I'm going to link to an Atlantic article that I found that in and you can see like the YouTube video of, of them. Like they colorized it so that we could see what was going on, but you can see what the shrimp eyes are seeing. Also, I have a little bit about like everybody's like oh hidden shrimp colors what what could we see with the extra shrimp colors but like what kind of color vision you have is super dependent on like what your food is and or what eats you and other things like that so humans have our range of color visions because that's the colors that like berries and flowers are and we're gatherers so that's why we have them and we don't have shrimp vision because it wouldn't really be practical for us to see in 3D with both of our eyes. They can't, like, move independently and see different spots. Mm -hmm. And, like, 
We don't need that. It's an extra expenditure for something that's not helpful. There are um, some animals that can see outside of the human spectrum of visible light, but normally it's at the cost of seeing some other colors. For instance, I know that bees can see more into the red section, but they can see less purples because of that. Again, light's super interesting and also my favorite part of physics. And so we're going to talk a little bit more about physics, <laughs> as promised, and light. Um, so there are some colors that can seem transparent and colorless, but really they're absorbing different colors of light. Glass is like that. So if you've ever had like a really fancy cut uh, glass door, like I, my parents have a very fancy pretty door and like you can see the rainbows on the floor through the glass sometimes, right? And if you ever look really closely at those rainbows, it's missing green. And that's because oh. the green light, the green wavelength of light is getting absorbed into the glass or blocked by the glass. I can't remember which way it goes. And water is kind of like that. So at different depths, different amount of lights can reach deep. And that's why deep water is blue, because only blue can make it that far down. So up at the surface, you can see most of the visible spectrum of light, but the further down you go, the less it matters. Being able to see red, there's like deep sea creatures that literally pigment themselves red for camouflage because other animals just can't see it. Mm -hmm. And they, like, use red lights as lures. It's very cool. Light and the ocean is very rad. Um, but I thought the shrimps were a little bit further down, so, like, they didn't have good color vision because color didn't reach down there, but they're actually up at the surface. So, And then also they're bad at differentiating colors. So, again, double redundant, double not important. <laughs> but I looked it up, and it was cool, so it's staying in the script. <laughs> oh, that's really cool. You know, it's it's rad as f And now, drumroll please, it is time for the shout-out, which I accidentally got by looking at Bye from a Black Woman, thank you, Jasper. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, <clears throat> Jasper, I know you, like myself, have some creative hobbies involving the mighty paper and pen. Indeed. Do you, perchance, find yourself in need of six million fancy journals to fuel these hobbies? Of course. Then I have the store for you. Harper and Charlotte Handmade Books. They make journals and sketchbooks all by hand, handbook bound, using a variety of materials and methods, including there's a vegan leather journal, which is made from cork, which is the first time I have seen vegan leather that isn't plastic, and that's super cool. Um, I, I super love that. Uh, the art on them is also just absolutely stunning, and if you are like me and need 600 hobbies to occupy your hands, they also have mailing lists about bookbinding, and they will teach you bookbinding and give you the <laughs> materials for bookbinding. Bookbinding really is cool. super fun. If you ever have the chance to try it, I have a sketchbook that I bound myself, and it's fantastic. I use it all the time. It's super cool. You can make the book as thick or thin as you want it to be. Right? It's super rad. You can find them at their website, which is uh, harperandcharlotte.com. <laughs> I had to edit so many swears out of the section. I was so excited when I found it. <laughs> no, me too. I try to, I try to keep it cool, but sometimes I get excited about biology. I don't think our listeners understand how much I swear in real life, and I'm trying so hard to be family friendly right now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we don't have a coin flip, so it's time for our outro. And with that, I have been your host, Indiana. Uh, and I have been Jasper Jett. And you can find this podcast 
at Heads or Tails Try on Twitter, Heads or Tails Official Podcast on Facebook, or email us at Heads or Tails Official Podcast at gmail.com. Bye bye. Bye. Gastropods, crustaceans, and bivalves, which are snails, crams, snails, crabs, and clams. <laughs> Hi, Milo. We're giving you a lot of work. <laughs>